Triple H FM Sports in association with Atlas Chartered Accountants. The Post, Hornsby RSL and ISC Sports welcomes you to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. And now here's your host, the wise man, Matt Mears. Yes, hello and welcome to Splinters the Bench podcast here on Triple H 100.1 FM and all your good and bad podcast sites. I'm the wise man, Matt Mears, back in the host chair, second week in a row. This time we're going to the other rugby game. Yes, Rugby League, the New South Wales Rugby League review, talking through all what happened through 2022. Some of the games we there, some of them we weren't. So we've got the we've called in the best for this one to join me as we talk through 2022 rugby league at our level, at grassroots level, at community radio level. First up, he was with me last week. We hope to get his full call in this time. Here's the hat rack, Shane Evans. Shane, great to have you back. Two weeks in a row here on Splinters. Yeah, g'day, Mirzy. G'day, listeners. Yeah, something different actually talking two weeks in a row on a podcast for Splinters. I'm I'm shocked I've actually been asked back after last week's calamity, but let's get in let's get into it and start talking some rugby league. We will get there in a second, but we also have a joining us on the line another special guest from Hawkesbury FM, our good friend Nicholas Kutnyak. Nick, great to have you here for another edition of Splinters. Yeah, but you also forgot my title of uh, New South Wales Rugby League broadcaster as well. But great work, Mizzy and Shane. We're community and- radio here. We're sticking to community radio <laughs> yeah, titles. Yeah, but but when I was on the uh, MPL podcast, it was MPL.TV broadcaster as well. See, Caruso made sure he gave me the title. So, uh, Well, if you want Caruso, I'll ring him up. He can, <laughs> he can come back and host it because no, I'm more than no, happy to give him the rent. No, 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 quickly about that podcast for a second. It's the only one I've ever been able to shut up Caruso. I did more of the talking than Caruso. And that also Dom <laughs> That is an impressive effort because I've been on a podcast with those two and I think I talked for about five minutes out of an hour podcast. So <laughs> if you can get more words in over them, you're doing well. Um, but we are here to talk all things New South Wales Rugby League. As said, uh, we had some successful calls here on Triple H throughout the year of the New South Wales Cup competition. We'll talk about that in the first part. We'll try and get to some of the uh, the, the lower competitions, your Masseys, your um, Sydney Shields, uh, Jersey Flag if we have time as well um, after what was an, an amazing final series that we did call a couple of those games as well. But uh, we'll get stuck into it. We'll go through the 12 teams. We'll start with the bottom team, Shane Evans, the Blacktown Workers Seagulls, 22 matches played, Two wins for four points, differential minus 428. I said it wasn't a good year for, for the Manly Seagulls in the NRL, but uh, for Blacktown, um, they were certainly uh, on the losing end of that relationship as well. Yeah, it definitely was. Obviously, changing its staff again didn't help. Obviously, Matt Ballin going up to Queensland to be assistant coach at the Broncos NRL level. Nathan Hogan coming up through the system, former Jersey flag coach at the Seagulls, only then to be replaced by David Heath halfway through the season after Nathan took ill. But in the end, yeah, it was, as our friend Keith would say, it was just a cluster there. Nothing went right. The couple of games that they actually did win, one of them was against the North Sydney Bears out at Brookvale Oval. 
and the other game was that far back. I can't even remember who it was. I, it might have been a West, <laughs> it might have been Western Suburbs or something towards the, towards the middle of the season. But apart from that, it was pretty disappointing. We do know that the agreement, or it's in its current format, is up again, up for review again for the twenty twenty three season onwards. But it was just a disappointing effort by the the club in in general. They lost some games close where they fought, and there's some games which Nick and I will be able to sit there and talk about where they just weren't even on the same surface as them being beaten by 50 and 60 points, especially a couple of times by Penrith. Yeah, and that game you're talking about was a Newcastle game, round five when they defeated Newcastle 24-14. And then it was loss, 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 and yeah, they didn't see a lot of wins. And one of the games they probably should have won was against Western Suburbs. and They lost by four points. So it was one of those uh, struggling years. But look, it goes back to, and I don't want to bang on about how poor the whole manly system is at the moment, but it goes back to a relationship that the theory behind it was, and and in all essence, the theory was we go to Western Sydney and get the, the best of the Western Sydney crop, but in essence, it never really worked. It was never going to work, and it's a shame because Blacktown workers have a great history in rugby league, but the partnership with Manly was never going to work. And and I know, Shane, you were there at, at the early stages of it. You saw how it just was not looking overly flash. But it goes back to Manly have never really respected reserve-grade rugby league, and we've seen that for a long time. And this is why Manly's system is in a hole, and it's going to be in a hole for a good portion of probably 15 years, to be honest. Unless they can find a way out, I don't think they will – it goes back to a junior system, and I know this is a little bit away from the New South Wales Cup as such, but this is one of the reasons why Manly, especially at the back end of the season, did not have a good quality quality group of players that were able to step up into the NRL because they have a broken system, and they've had a broken system. Even going back 10 years ago, the system was broken, and they need to fix it, and they need to fix it now, and hopefully the new system or the new regime Manly's got, is going to fix that. Again, it's disappointing because Blackdown's season is really on the essence of the scraps they get from Manly, and they didn't get any quality scraps. Simple as that. Yeah, it is a, it is a shame because you see some of how these other partnership work, and we'll tell, we'll talk about some of those teams as we get higher up the uh, the ladder, and they work very well. You get, we said, we've called... Um, some of these fringe NRL players on um, on on both our stations throughout the year, and you see that you see that the benefit that both sides get. So it is a shame that it said that just doesn't seem to flow through for Blacktown. I, I for one was surprised to see that the partnership was renewed, but I would assume that for both sides, it just there wasn't a better option. Manly need to play their players somewhere. They're not going to put their a team in of their own, and and Blacktown have probably surveyed the the, the landscape, and there's going, there's no NRL team that would be willing to step in and fill the void. Yeah, but they don't need to be in the New South Wales Cup Blacktown. To be brutally honest, I, I I think that they're better served in either Matt just focusing on Massey or even just focusing on a junior base in the junior competitions. I I, I think that's the way to go. But Manly need to be going back to Manly, but. 
it just shows there's no there's no real care for rugby league in the northern beaches. And I don't care if anybody wants to have a go at me, have a go at me. But prove me wrong. Prove me wrong mm. that the northern beaches rugby league is going busted because it is busted. And it's been busted well, it for a long time. Well, said so you, you go from the Manly A grade to the Manly Norse A grade. Now they play in the combined Sydney A grade. And they said you, you might get 15,000 people at Brookvale Oval, but that's about everyone's exposure to rugby league. Other than that, probably you probably survey those 15,000 that turned up to Brookvale and ask them if they knew who Blacktown workers were. Maybe 50 might have heard of them before. Mm. So that's yeah. that's really telling there, I think. And, um, yeah, I, I don't think that uh, they're going to have a, a fun time of it until things get fixed up further up the line and they, they're getting that quality relationship that some of these higher teams get. But... Uh, Better move along. We'll go to the team that finished 11, and we, we mentioned him already. We should put a counter on how many times we mentioned Keith Topolsky in this podcast, but it is to his beloved Western Suburbs Magpies. They had five wins out of their 22 games, and uh, Nick uh, said it was, again, you, you love to see the pride of the, the Magpies in this competition, but obviously when you when you link to the West Tigers, they're not having the best time of it as well it does filter down because you're getting those players that if they can't make that West Tigers side, what value are they going to be bringing to this Magpies team? Yeah, fair point. And I think that's one of the, the key factors of what was always going to be a doomed season. And it's, it's very hard to see this happening, but the Western Suburbs situation does rely on, and all the teams in these competitions do rely on how the NRL team is circulating. And, and you can see that with the results. But Western Suburbs, they tried their best. I, I covered one of their games. It was against Penrith. And they started strong. And, and and Jacob Little, who we have seen quite a bit in the NRL, I, I think he's he's a very good player. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, Wes, they'll go all right here. And then they got absolutely smashed. They took the lead. And they led 6-0, and then from there on in, they got absolutely trounced. And they – I say they shouldn't have deserved to be trounced, but they they just – they once they go behind the scoreboard, they don't know how to claw a game back. And I think that's the biggest concern about it. I, I might be wrong in saying that, but – it was the same example against Norths early in the season where they actually led that game as well. And, yeah, you could say they came back and at halftime they led against Norths. But the reality was that they never looked comfortable during the whole season. And they've got good plays there. We, we've talked about Tom Freebard, who's, who's actually a, a talent, I believe. He actually made his NRL debut this mm. season. Jake Simpkin. Like, they've got players around. I don't think Ben Stefanovic is actually a very good half, but – it seems like they just can't click it together, Shane. And it's disappointing, but it's a reality of what is a fractured club from the NRL level on the West Tigers. Yeah, you have to agree. Yeah, the three players you've just mentioned there, especially Ben Stavanovic, uh, the good young players coming through. Obviously, Jacob Little, who occasionally got to run as the 14 in the NRL side, but they just didn't have enough of the players they're constantly to be able to put things together and make that team better. Obviously, us guys at Triple H and having one of our colleagues in Sarah Marsky, her partner, Aidan Perry, 
moved across from Southern Districts Rugby to play with the Magpies for the last couple of seasons, and he's done pretty well. And from what I've seen of him, one of the young fellas that would always give give 110%, even if the team was playing bad, he'd still be there and would give an absolute crack every time. But one of those games where you said that they West didn't know how to come from behind, I will give I will have to pull you up there. Was against Blacktown out at out at Campbelltown Stadium where Blacktown I think led thirty to ten with about fifteen to go on a te- televised game with West end up winning that game forty six points to thirty or forty to thirty about midway through the season there. So oh, oh, look, I'll grant you that, but the only turnaround to that is, and you know, I'm always going to find an argument to this. They were playing Blacktown. So it wasn't like they were playing a quality opposition like the Bears or Penrith. Yeah. They were were playing a side that knew their place in the competition, but, yeah, it wasn't against the sides that you'd expect, like the the Bears and the Bulldogs and Newtown and Penrith, where once they got behind, it was basically a shut-up shop and let's just try and limit the damage that could come through. But... We all know that next year is a new year for New South Wales Rugby League sides and hopefully West will be the same. Well, I said another another team is the team that come 10th that uh, they need some better fortunes in their NRL side as well. It seems to be a, a sorry tale of these teams that uh, didn't make uh, the, uh, the, the top sides here this year and that's the Newcastle Knights. And Shane, I think this is another club that had there been more availability in the NRL team, they would have had some better performances. But just the, the injuries, I said probably that some of the lack of those, they, they were lacking in that top grade as well. And that just filtered through to them in this competition. Said seven, only seven wins, 18 points from their 22 games. Yeah, exactly. Injuries crawled the Newcastle season, both in New South Wales Cup and in the NRL. Obviously, you want to try and have a settled side and obviously a settled spine with your one six seven nine. But if you can't get the same team on the field two weeks in a row, it makes it very hard to be able to do it. And lots of injuries and up the line where obviously your NRL side's a priority, but for Newcastle, it's not a good thing where you are having to bring in guys from Jersey Flag. And towards the end of the season, bring in kids from SG Ball to be able to fill fill sides up because obviously you don't want to be forfeiting games, but you want to be still trying to put the best foot forward. Did have a chat to Danny Baderis, the head of performance up there during the final season, also on grand final day. That were his thoughts exactly. It was like, this is just a bad year in general with it, with injuries, but we'll come back better and smarter next year and hopefully limit the injuries and we should go better. I think you make an interesting point in regards to you don't want to bring up SG ball jersey flag players into a a cup side, but there is a turnaround to it. And that is how the Panthers have had to do it during the season. And they've done it for the last how many years. They always need to do that. And they've been able to get it well. It just shows probably that it probably shows that the Newcastle system, and I'm not saying it's broken at all, so don't don't put words in my mouth there. But I don't think that 
the plays coming through are as guided as Penrith is and, and what helps is the academy. So if Newcastle can sort out the academy stuff, I think we would see a stronger Newcastle. And we, we by the way, like you got to remember, <laughs> their Jersey flag side was sensational this year. So, yeah, look, a disappointing year, you could say, at cup level. But, look, as you said, injuries did affect them during the year. NRL situation affected them too. So, look, it's a fair year. And, and yeah, seven wins from a 22-round season, it's not flash on paper. But I suppose if you look at more detail about the situation where they were, I don't think it's a terrible season. I think it's just, yeah, the fact that the fact that you finished 10th in a – in a um, twelve-team competition, I think that's probably where you—you—that's where that assumption comes from. But I said it, it was a fairly even comp across that that first sort of eight to ten teams. I said the Knights did get some some fairly uh, decent wins throughout the year, or they or they went close over teams like they, they were two within Newtown. They they beat the Bulldogs, who finished in the top four. They 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 had some good results, but. Said, I think just when that came down to, they beat the Panthers in round twelve. So I said, we we know how well the Panthers went this season. So I said, when it was their day and they had the cattle on the field, they could they could put in some good results. But I think it was just a a, a year where they just couldn't get that team together enough to make to make a um a decent run for that final series. Uh, we'll go up to the team that finished ninth, um, and that's Mounties. Um, they had eight wins from their 22 games. And, Nick, it was a, a season where they, they went from being the Bulldogs' um, feeder into having to split it with the, the Bulldogs having their own team now. And uh, you just felt that maybe they weren't getting the, the rub of the green there. And uh, that, that certainly showed with their results. You know, one of the things behind that too, and I think it's great to see Canterbury actually have a New South Wales Cup team. And, and I think that... The model that we've seen of, if you want to call it, leasing the license and cup, I think we're going to slowly see that die even more so in the next couple of years. But I think Mounties had a very good season, all things considered. One, I want to say one and a half wins away from making the eight. Like, well, actually, sorry, I should say two and a half wins because they are they were four points behind St. George Illawarra because they had two draws this season. But... It's not a bad, it's not a bad situation there for the Mounties. I, I think they'll be happy with all things that are happening at the moment. They don't actually have a full alignment with Canterbury. It's a, it's a scrapped situation, and, and I suppose Mounties will have to come to a decision at some point. Going, is it worth being in this situation where we're essentially a a private identity? Right, and when I say private, using a motorsport reference from back in the day, a privateer effort, and that's yeah. and I think that's the thing. It's a privateer effort with a bit of support, but it was a fair season. Do I think that Mounties will be in the comp in the next couple of years? Probably not. We'll probably see him go by the wayside, like Wyong and and teams in the past. Remember, Western Suburbs went by the wayside for a few years because Bowman was the Canterbury, if you want to use use that term, our Canterbury was this season where they had the main players to go to reserve grade, but Western Suburbs were the scraps. And that's what we're seeing with Mounties. So I think a restructure of the way the Mounties system will be 
will have to happen soon because I, I can't see this being sustained in the years to come. I, I might be wrong saying that, Shane, but also the other thing is, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, does the Mounties group still have somewhat of an association with Manly in terms of, I don't know, like a sponsorship situation? Because to me, I would think, I would have thought that a combination of Manly going to Mounties instead of Blacktown would be a better option. Well, I can tell you the original plan was when Manly wanted to move away from running their own side. Back at the end of 2016 when Luke Williamson was the coach, Mounties were the team that they were looking to approach because obviously the team in in southwest Sydney, Bulldogs were still there by themselves. They had their own team running at the time. But at the time, the Mounties board said, you know what, no, we're going to do that. So what did they do? They went down to Canberra. They linked up with them. But then obviously Canberra decided to put their own State Cup side back in there, so that one failed out. Then they linked with the Bulldogs. Now it's the same again. We don't know whether Blacktown and Manly have come back together, but you think that it would be a perfect thing. Yes, the Mounties group do have do have sponsorship arrangements with the Seagulls, but also the Manly Great Cricket Club, still one of their mates, still one of their main sponsors of and, district and the Manly Marlins. Yeah, and the Manly Marlins. It's their it's their number. It's their number two sponsor. Yeah, for the well, competition. So through the, that's so. through the hub or diggers, obviously, yeah. not through the Mounties group directly. But yeah, but yeah, so it is there. But yeah, but we know that Mounties are a very strong club when it comes to the Sydney Shield and the Rob Massey Cup competitions. So will they hang around for more than another couple of years? I don't think so, unless they can find the right NRL club to tie with that doesn't want to have their own name attached to a team. Other words, yeah, they'll fall by the wayside and get back into the shield of Messi and we'll probably prosper in there again. Yeah, we'll move to the team that finished eighth on the ladder. We got, we'll have one person in a moment that we'll want to talk a lot about them. St. George Illawarra Dragons, they had nine wins and two draws, as mentioned just before, from their 22 games, finishing on 24 points. And uh, Shane, you, you do feel it again. We're, we're sounding like a broken record that um, they had some they had some okay players that would come down from the the Dragons uh, NRL team, but they were the ones that were out of favour. Maybe didn't perform to their best when they were down in the in the in the cup side, and that's shown here with their performance. That's true, but I'd also look at the other way. There's some of the kids that they would lose to the NRL side because at cup level, they were better than what the what the club expected. Using Cody Ramsey as an example and Tyrell Sloan. And you, you go, through, go through half of that side that we've seen through the season and watch them all make their NRL debuts during the year. And I think they played better when they actually made that step up to the NRL. But when players come back down, it was more, and I know Nick probably killed me for saying this, but them not having the same care or attitude to like, okay, I'm going back down. I want to get better. I'll come back and want to prove myself back to the, the St. George coaching stuff at the NRL side where they'd only come back in if a player got injured. They didn't earn their way back in. They got in through necessity. 
Yeah, look, that's a fair point. Just want to quickly give myself an uppercut. Uh, I, I, I was still in the old school thinking we were in the top eight. Of course, we've been in the top five this season. And, and by the way, I think that was a great thing the New South Wales Rugby League did, having mm. a top five this year. But going back to the Dragons, look, there's a big issue at the club. And, and everything you say there, Shane, believe it or not, actually makes sense for a change. And, and, <laughs> and I say that seriously because – there is no care factor at the club. And I, I think at an NRL level, there's no care factor. There's no love of the club. And the club has lost its soul. It's, it's similar to Manly where Manly's lost their soul. The Dragons have lost their soul. And it's harder when you have a merged identity, which that's what St. George Illawarra are. And Manly, well, look, they they ate a club and spat them out. And, and you know, we're probably seeing remnants of that coming to pass now, to be honest. But with, with the Dragons, you're right. I, I think if they can if they can get some care back to the club, and they've got some good juniors too. Aaron Johnson, like, I, I saw him in a flag game uh, against Penrith, and I think he's a classy player. I think mm. they've, got some, they've got some good players there. But you know what the biggest issue is with the Dragons? And it's a very simple one. They don't know how to keep young talent. And, and, and that's why... This year's New South Wales Cup team wasn't as good as the last full season in 2019, simply because that the talent they had back then, it's gone. It's not even in the first grade side anymore, and they haven't developed properly. So that goes back to the reason why they had a failed season. And yes, you are correct, as, as I said before, you're correct when they go back down, there's no care factor, but there's been no care factor in the last couple of years, and that's the big concern with St. George Illawarra. Hopefully it will go forward, but I don't I don't particularly think that the Dragons will have successful seasons in Cup or in the NRL for a good 10 years. Crops, the team finishing seventh, being the Rabbitohs, uh, 11 wins from their 22 games. They said, in years gone past, Nick, that would have been a pass mark, but they said just... Uh, only finishing three points outside the top five, but um, obviously, again, it'd be a team that they would be expecting with how well their NRL team is doing that they should be pushing for a final spot. Yeah, I, I suppose one of the things with South, South Sydney, and, and Shane, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the biggest concern was their start of the season because remember as well, there was plenty of injuries at the, the Bunnies at the top half of the season in the NRL, and that's where we saw their big, like, I suppose, fall to the start of the season. Like, this is also, so can I, can I actually paint the picture this season how South Sydney, dare I say the words, they were the bunnies of a couple <laughs> of teams. Like, think of this. Penrith played Newtown, I think it was a, uh, it was round seven or round eight, and it was the big clash, right? And both teams came into it with one loss. They lost to South Sydney both sides. Like, Souths only beat three teams in that top half of the season. It was Mounties, Penrith, and Newtown prior to round seven, right? So six rounds in. And then they had a couple of good wins after that. But, again, it goes back to they just – first grade sides are always the big problem reserve grade because you've got to filter through. And we saw that quite a bit this year. So, look, it's a pass mark in some regards, and in other regards it's not. It's probably another factor where South Sydney need to develop better. 
And and I, I know I'm going to be like a broken record, but if you don't develop players and don't have a good base, you're not going to have a good reserve grade side, and that's going to filter through if you have a lot of injuries in your first grade squad. No, I have to agree there. As I said, well, if you look, if you go all the way from the very bottom of the the South Sydney tree, where you're talking to Harold Matthews, the under 15s, if I remember correctly, they only just made it into the final series. The SG Ball missed it in the final series. Jersey Flag may, I think, just missed out on finals. And then obviously the New South Wales Cup side missed out on finals. So it was just one of those years where nothing went right for South, except for the NRL side, obviously not winning the title, but they were able to progress well and truly through the finals series and all of that. But, yeah, the same type of thing. South just needs to nurture that talent that they do have coming through. But if they don't, then, yeah, it's going to be an issue for them having players coming through because most of that NRL side is starting to get on the on the on the older side of 30 and for wingers and fullbacks, once you get to about 33, 34, that's about your limit where at the moment most of them are. So it'll just it'll be interesting to see what happens at that club over the next one to two seasons. Our last team before we take a break is the team that finished sixth, the Canberra Raiders. 12 wins from their 22 games. They finished um, one point outside that top five, Shane Evans. I said, it is so, so close yet so far. It definitely is. But you have to remember, this is also, this is Canberra's first season back, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, back in the New South Wales Cup as a standalone club, not playing under the, the Mounties moniker for the season. But they they played a lot, played some really good games. They played some really poor games. But once again, you could class it as a pass mark for them coming back as a standalone club, but losing players up and down the line obviously doesn't help, especially to the NRL side through injuries to most of their outside backs. Xavier Savage, for one of them, or making his mark now as the incumbent number one there for the for the Canberra Raiders and for the, for this season at least, and then having other players having to come in and cover for players like Jordan Rapana when he gets injured and all the halves and all of that. So it'd just be interesting to see how Canberra do. Their, their juniors both made finals into, I believe, second week in both the mat and the ball. So they do have the talent coming through. They just need to also focus on the local competition down there to try and bring more of that talent through the juniors to, over the next couple of years, make their way into the flag and to the cup sides. Well, Giffle in the ARL 1997 season, right, they made, they made the finals because that was a top seven uh, of a 12-team competition. So maybe that's what we should do, have a top seven next year, not. Um, <laughs> well, well you, you'd remember this quickly, Shane, going off the beaten track. Remember when it was a top seven, right, and Manly played Newcastle in a doesn't really matter game? <laughs> Mm. in the final series, so we don't need to go back to that. But being serious, look, Canberra had a, a decent side, a decent season. So I, I take nothing away from their year. They need to improve in a few key areas. And and as you said, a couple of the big games when 
results just didn't go their way and they were being beaten by panels. But look, they had a decent season, so we'll take nothing away from them. Just essentially one draw. That that that's what ruined them. Having mm. a draw in one of the games this season. Otherwise, you know what? They're four and against. Uh, it wasn't great, but you know they they could have tried to sneak there in the top five. So look, it's not a bad year from Canberra. I think they'll be happy. Yeah, and just just to correct Shane Evans, it's their second year in the competition. But um, that we better take our break here on a Splinters the Bench podcast. It is the uh, New South Wales Rugby League review. We'll be right back after this to talk the top five that, that made the finals this year, plus the lower competitions. Um, and make sure you check out our station sponsors, Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, ISC Sports, Business Plaza, and the Hornsby RSL. We'll be right back. It's time for the crew to catch their breath. We'll be back after this short break. Do you think the government deserves more of your hard-earned money? If not, make sure you talk to Atlas Chartered Accountants. Atlas Chartered Accountants makes sure the money you earn stays in your pocket through legal tax planning strategies, from finding that last tax deduction to tax-effective business structures for asset protection purposes so you can invest in what really matters, your family and business. Visit their website at ihatetax.com.au. Atlas Chartered Accountants. They are dedicated to you and dedicated station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. Your local RSL is at the heart of every community and there is none better in the Hornsby-Karingai area than the Hornsby RSL. Whether you're planning a major event, dinner with family or friends or having a quiet night at your local, Hornsby RSL is the place to be. Rediscover what enjoying life is all about with regular weekly events, special entertainment and some of the best eateries in Sydney, we have you covered for a great night out. As always, drink responsibly. Support the club that supports. Come to Hornsby RSL at 4 High Street, Hornsby or get in touch on 947777 and at hornsbyrsl.com.au. The Hornsby RSL. Proud station sponsors of Triple H, 100.1 FM. Want to look your sporting best on and off the field? Then make sure you get kitted out with ISC Sport Teamwear. ISC Sport are Australia's leading name in custom sports uniforms with a wide range of sportswear tailored to your team's needs. 100% Australian-owned and fully customisable, ISC Sport cover all four winter codes and cricket, basketball, netball and hockey, as well as training and outerwear, ensuring you look the part when representing your community. As Don Rizzuto would say, look sharp and play pretty with ISC Sport. Visit their website, iscsport.com, for more information. ISC Sport, official clothing partners of Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. Looking for a fun night out with family and friends? Then come to the hidden gem in the Hornsby Karingai area, the attic. Located inside Hornsby RSL, the attic provides all the fun and excitement you can expect from a bowling and arcade bar in an intimate location that ensures a real gaming experience for everyone. With four 10-pin bowling lanes, Australia's first augmented reality bowling experience and a selection of traditional and custom-built arcade games, the attic is the place to let your inner child run wild. So make sure you book your next night out at the attic at 4 High Street Hornsby. Call them on 94777777 or book via their website at theattichornsby.com.au. The Attic, part of Hornsby RSL, station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. 
Welcome back to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. Welcome back to Splinters, the bench podcast here on Triple H 100.1 FM. All your good and bad podcast sites. We do this thanks to our great station sponsors, Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, ISC Sport, Business Plaza, and the Hornsby RSL. I am the wise man, Matt Mears. I'm here with the hat rack, Shane Evans, and New South Wales Rugby League caller and from Hawkesbury FM, Nicholas Kutnyak. We're here to talk the uh, top five now um, from the New South Wales Cup. And Nick in fifth place, just scraping in by one point. It was the Parramatta Eels. They got that 13th win from 22 games to finish fifth in the competition. But unfortunately, they went down um, 18 points to six in that knockout uh, knockout finals week one to the to the Canterbury Bulldogs. Look, Parramatta had a good year, and I think they'll be happy with it. Obviously, they can make plenty of improvements, and I, I think. As we we keep on diving into when you you talk about teams, it's all about what happens during the NRL season that affects these clubs. And Parramatta didn't have too many changes, to be honest. So so I think they'll be happy on that regard that they didn't have to worry about that too much. But they've got a very good side. Like you got to remember as well, we saw during the season players like Jordan Rankin, who actually captain Parramatta reserve grade. You had Hayes Perham, who I think is a very good player. you got Jake Arthur, who is in a bit of a, a mixed situation here. And and you know what I'm going to call him here? And Shane, I don't know if you'd agree. I think Jake Arthur is almost at a Blake Austin level. And what I mean by that is where he's better than New South Wales Cup, but he falls short of being an NRL fixture. And I think that's where a Super League team would have no qualms in buying him and he would be very good in the Super League competition. So Parramatta had some good players during the year. Mitrain's another one, which, look, Mitrain, what was it, seven years ago, he was probably one of our top five or six hookers in the NRL. So, like, it's a fair side Parramatta's got just that situations during a year had players like Jake Arthur who had to go to first grade. So they're, they're a side that, you know, they could do stuff in the future, but they've got maybe one or two older players that they need to replace and replace pretty quickly. Yeah, they, they definitely do. I'll, I'll agree with you with the Jacob Arthur thing where he, if for an NRL side, he's a good 14. Mm. Will he... Is he going to ever be a starting starting seven in a team that wants to win a title? No. Would he go? Would he go well across to the English Super League? Of course he will. Obviously, you got the Lee's the Lee Leopards, formerly the Lee Centurions, mm-hmm. have just made their way up into the Super League after winning the the million pound game in the in the championship only mm-hmm. a couple of months ago. That'd be the type of team that are looking for a half. He'd probably go well there, but if he wants to stay with Parramatta, he's going to have to look at that utility role and play in that 14 jersey and learn how to play six, seven, and nine to be able to do all that and puts a bit of beef on because he's a tall, solid bloke, but he obviously could get a little bit stronger. Who knows? You may even look at him as a as a backup 13 as well. But some of those players at Parramatta have reached where Father Time is tap him on the shoulder and say, mate, your time's been there. You've done it. You've had a good career. It's time to move on, move into coaching or 
move into something outside of the actual playing arena. Well, we'll move along to the team that finished fourth and Shane Evans is at the Bulldogs, probably one of the teams that bucked the trend compared to their NRL side. 14 wins from their 22 games. And I said, coming from that knockout game in week one finals where they beat the Eels 18 points to six, they managed to make it through week two, taking out the Bears 22 points to 10 um, and end up uh, knocking out the Jets in week three, 28 points to 26 before going down to the eventual uh, premiers on grand final day, the Panthers 29 points to 22. For a club like the Bulldogs, which you see that are rebuilding, a little bit of ray of light for some of their supporters uh, having something to cheer come finals time. Definitely was. And if you if you looked at them going into that last regular round game when they were playing Newtown out of Henson, realising oh. that they, they were trying to get the win in that last game to try and get up into that 2v3 game instead of finishing in that 4v5, the draw probably didn't help them. But in the end, but in the end, it's probably steeled them to the fact it's like, okay, we know we're there with the top sides. We can go through and, as you said, go through the finals, knock out Parramatta, knock over Norse, then make up for that 22-all draw against Newtown by knocking them out in the prelim final to only go down to a, a fairly strong Penrith side, but it took every bit of an ounce of effort from Penrith to win it, but no shame to the Bulldogs. Okay, the NRL side was terrible this year up until they got rid of Trent Barrett. And yes, I know what your feelings are about Trent Barrett there, Matt, so we don't need to discuss them. But once Mick Potter came on board, the NRL side started working and then surprise, surprise, the New South Wales Cup side did the exact same thing. They went on their run, won a f- were able to string games back to back to back, found, finding Brandon Wakeham as a, as a regular seven instead of Flanagan was a godsend for them. I think losing Beyond the Odo towards the end didn't help and Zach Docker Clay as well. But they're going to be one of the better sides and probably one of the favourites to win the title next year, obviously apart from Penrith. Yeah, so Canterbury had a, a fantastic year. Obviously making a grand finals always... <laughs> an important part of having a great year and, and they were fantastic this year. And I think one of the key things is Canterbury, especially the back half of the season, what they're recruiting, not necessarily on the field, it's what they're uh, recruiting off the field. And and I think one of the big signings is actually having Adam Hardigan a part of the Canterbury club. I, I think he's a smart operator and yeah, look, it didn't work overly well at the West Tigers at the end, but He's got a footy brain, and and look, and I'll put it out there. Yes, I, I know him well, and 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 the Hardigans have been big at Pat's Black uh, Pat's Blacktown in the past. So I, I think that's a key thing in terms of their season. They have got some rippers of players, and you know what player I've got to say had a, a blinding final series of Canterbury, and I think you could probably pick it straight away, Shane. Who I'm about to say, Jaden Ockenball. Like, mm. Jaden Hockenball was in and around. Like, that game against Newtown, how large was he in the in the, in the the prelim final? And the grand final as well. He, he set up some tries. He scored some good tries. Fantastic player to watch. But also, you know, you got Jaden Tanner, who really is a, a good forward. He just steams forward. He, he does his job all day. So, Canterbury have got a good side. It's now about what they do next year. And, and I talk about from a first-grade point of view, how they use these players. Like, 
Jan Nockenball, he's again been a bouncer from from cup the first grade, but we can see he can actually do something. And if he can make that first grade side and hold down a position, you watch out. Uh, Isaac Lumi, Lumi, like he, he's he's a good player to watch. I I think he he does his job fantastically, fantastic in the halves. Declan Casey's a good centre. So they've got players all over the shop that can show what they can do next year. Potentially could be in an NRL jersey. So there you go, Canterbury. A good season by them. They should be proud of what they were able to achieve from fourth spot. And remember, they were very close to winning that grand final, stealing it from the Panthers. Well, I tell you, Tom Rodwell from the Jets, I remember we were out there calling that game at Leichhardt. He would still be having nightmares from that first half. Uh, against Jaden Nockenbor. Uh, so they had to swap him to the other wing at half time to uh, save on their uh, um, psychologist bills, I think. But uh, as I said, they, they certainly uh, performed very well at the back end there. We'll move on to third and, and Nick, uh, the Bears, as I said, 14 wins as well from their 22 games. They got that third place. As I said, after that miraculous draw, the Bulldogs had it with the Jets in the final round. The Bears had to win by something ridiculous in that last round. They did. We called that game here on Triple H where they beat um, Mounties 60 points to six on that last <laughs> Sunday to get into that third spot. But I think for Bears fans, it would be a bit disappointing, though. They said they lost that in that first week uh, 22 points to 14 against basically the St. Mary's Ron Massey team with all the mm-hmm. cup players up in uh, Townsville playing uh, the Cowboys while the, the first team was rested. But then they ran into that Bulldog side in the second week, 22 points to 10. So it was a season for the Bears that you, you expected a lot, but just unfortunately in that final series to be out in straight sets, uh, I know there was quite a few Bears fans disappointed with that. It's almost like Panthers staff have a voodoo doll on the Bears <laughs> because the Bears just have not been able to uh, beat the the Panthers all season and they struggled big time. We called a Friday night game where it was 17-12, Matt, and mm. you're thinking, you know what, the Bears are good in that game, but they like, they just can't win in the key breakdowns. And, and the Bears, a fantastic season, and, and they should be proud of it. But there is a lot of work to do if they are to win a competition in the, the New South Wales Rugby League. To go out in straight sets, disappointing. But look, it goes back to not capitalising on that first week against the Panthers. Simple as that, but they've they've got some good stars across the paddock again. And and I and I and I think the Bears are a very good side. And they can keep a couple of these players, you watch out. And the ones in particular, like I think Josh Bergman is actually a, a talent of a player and he's been uh, brilliant in reserve grade level for a long, long time. Sandon Smith, he, he he's a cracking player. I like this Fletcher Baker who's a forward. I, I think he just Rolls forward every single day, does his job, in and out, in and out. And, you know, players coming off the bench, Michael Fenn, I think he's been a good player off the bench this season. Not to mention a certain Jesse Maskey as well. Uh, he was also good throughout the year. So they've got some good talent. The linking with the, the Roosters is important for that bear system. And Well, you, you say potential. that, Nick. Yeah. It just, it's just come out in the last day or two, yeah. or it was today as we're recording this, that um, the Roosters will be fielding their own New South Wales Cup team in 2023. <sighs> so that is going to be a, a, a massive hit to this Bears organisation. Yeah, I've missed that. So so with that happening, what do the Bears do? Because that's a, that's a big loss. 
And and I suppose this is a discussion point. I know we're going to break away a little bit from what we, we want to discuss, but I have to ask you guys the question. I mentioned it before that I think that this system of leasing out to other clubs is from a bygone era and it's going to die soon. What happens with the Bears? Are the Bears going to be able to sustain a, a team in this competition or are they better off dropping back to Ron Massey where you don't have to worry about a bigger overhead? Yes, I know it's a drop back, but what do you do in that situation? I, I, I know that you might lose some fans going, oh, it's not cup football, but I, I wonder what is going to be beneficial for the club going forward, especially look, I know the Bears are pushing for that 18th license. Mm. What, what's, the, what's the smarter option? It, is it a situation, Shane, where they've got to prove to the NRL and use the New South Wales Cup as a, as a situation saying, look, we can actually do it. We can manage your side. And if so... How do you get players and tell them, you know what, we want you here, we'll pay you this, but we can't offer you an NRL contract? Like, how how do you dance around that to get the best possible players to play in your squad in the New South Wales Cup? Well, I must admit, before we come on to record this this podcast, I had the opportunity to sit down and actually look at the the YouTube video that the North Sydney Bears put out. So for any of the members, if you go on go on YouTube and look for the October 2022 update, it basically spells out, it's about a 30-minute video, but it talks about this major issue. Obviously, the Roosters will field their own cup side in 2023, so North will pretty much become the Mounties of that, of that arrangement. So there'll be a little... You get a little bit of help there, but you're not going to get the majority of it. Daniel Dixon, the chairman, and Jason Taylor, the head coach at North Sydney, have, have said that they're now going to have to look at obviously recruiting their their own players to not guarantee for the Roosters to be bringing their players back into the, the setup. Obviously, they've got a, a fairly strong Jersey flag side that, just missed out on the finals this year and also Harold Matson SG ball guys that will age out, obviously, into open-age competitions there. They need to keep the New South Wales Cup competition going, obviously, if they want to get that 18th NRL licence, which at the moment is almost a given that it will happen probably for 24 or 25 after the Dolphins play their first season next year. Whether they play a full season as North Sydney or they or they farm that out with someone else, you wouldn't think so. Obviously, they're very passionate about the red, black, and white and North Sydney Oval. But if the NRL side's going to be spending half the season in in Perth playing there, if they're given that license and then half the games at North Sydney, it might make it a bit hard for their New South Wales Cup players having to travel on two red eyes every week to get to a game and get home from a game. But that's just the way it is. But, yeah, I implore all the North Sydney fans that listen to our podcast, hit that YouTube thing. So, once again, it's the 20, October 2022 update, and you'll be able to hear all the questions and answers in regards to that walking away from the Roosters thing from 2023 onwards. 
Yeah, well, we'll move along to the team that finished second. Shane, the the Panthers, eventual premiers, sixteen wins from their twenty two games. The only the only reason they missed out on the top spot was the uh, was uh, an extra draw to the eventual uh, to the eventual minor premiers. But what needs to be said about this team? As I said making it all the way through. They they had the adversity of basically playing their the the, the, the um, St Mary's Massey team in that first week against uh, against uh, the the Bears they got the job done and on Grand Final day they were the ultimate professionals. It's just showing that uh, they, everyone may have laughed at Phil, Phil Gould's five year plan. It may have taken maybe a couple more than five years to come into effect, but they certainly are the the top club in all of uh, in all levels of rugby league. They definitely are. They were. They got away with the win on New South Wales Grand Final Day, but then you saw them seven days later in the NRL State Championship against the North Devils, and they were absolutely dominant. They, You could have given the Devils 20-point start and they still would run them over in the end because they ended up winning, I think it was by about 38 or 40 points in the end on NRL Grand Final Day. But this Penrith club and Nick will probably confirm this, I think the only side that didn't win a grand final this year in the male side of the competition was the Harold Matthews. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everyone else was the was either minor premiers or second in the regular I, season and then premiers overall. Am I yeah. be pretty close? Main thing is premiers. I, uh, that's the main thing to look at. Yeah. Forget about where they were regular season. They all won grand finals and – they took home five trophies. Wow. Five, five premiership trophies. And when I say premiership, I include the state championship as a premiership trophy or yeah, grand final trophy, whatever you want to call it. But it's just a, a fantastic thing. And, and look, the five years, like, I don't even know if Gus actually said five years as a date. He said a long-term plan. But somehow something buzz, buzz, Thought it was a five-year plan, <laughs> and they they all ambassadored him. But the system has worked, and they have been Penrith have been the the achievers for a long time because of this great uh, this great precinct they've got. The academy is awesome, and they've been able to achieve a lot of things. Now, granted, and and I know that there will be people that will put this out there, and and I'm happy to admit that the Panthers have got this situation where they've got basically (laughs) – comprehend this. So they've got basically that mix of the Blacktown area. So that's around about their limit. From Blacktown, as far east I'm talking about, Mm. but you know how far west they go? Broken Hill. Well, well, (laughs) essentially they go through the central west. Yeah, because you've got Bathurst up there as well because that's part of the – Bathurst, Panth- Forbes. That, that's part of the Panthers group as well. Well, Forbes. So so they get the Forbes players. I think they get sort of the orange players as well. But they get all those players out the Central West, and that is what is helping the Panthers drive this. And it goes back to, and I know this is another podcast for another time, but it goes back to how important it is to look after country football and get NRL teams out there. And that's what the Panthers do very well. Yeah, I said that that game they always take to Bathurst to Carrington Park, always one that looks a, a good day on TV. 
Um, and it says it's important. And you, you see that those other teams, I, I personally feel that all NRL teams should be, well, not forced, but encouraged to take one game out bush. You see you see that there are other stadiums. There's Sully Park at Tamworth. There's um, a plethora of the ones around that uh, can host games, the one at Cross Harbour. There's, there's at least a, uh, half a dozen that could easily uh, accommodate that. But uh, as you said, Nick, I think that is one for another podcast as we've got to move along to the team that finished minor premiers, the Newtown Jets. As I said, they, they, they showed that as I said, we saw how good Cronulla were their feeder team uh, in the NRL this year. They had some good players come and play in their competition. They got the job done by one point. They had that 16 wins as well, but it was the two draws that got them to 38 points. But uh, Nick, just unfortunately, they made it through to week three, but they played those Penny Panthers, and it's probably the – my apologies. They, they Well, they lost to the Penny Panthers in week two, which mm-hmm. made them play this red-hot Bulldogs team in week three. As I said, we did call this game on Triple H, and uh, it was a humdinger, but – the Bulldogs, they got out to that early lead and the Jets, just whatever they tried, just couldn't uh, make up that gap. They were valiant to go down by two points, but I would think finishing minor premiers, they would have at least envisioned themselves being there on grand final day. Yeah, but at least we didn't have to put up with Abby Tallarico. Oh, God, won. here we go. Um, don't say the better. No, 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 no. <laughs> I say that very much tongue-in-cheek because I actually uh, get along with Albert very well and formerly used to run the rugby league department at Triple H2. He's, he's one of your forefathers, by the way. Yeah, I should remind is, you yes, that. Know. Uh, but being serious on that, they, they've got some good players and a good season for them. But you know what it goes back to? And, and it's simple to say, but it goes back to that game against the Panthers – why they lost was because they needed to give players to the Cronulla side, and and that's a reality. So is it something to look at when these games are played? Should we have the season early so we don't have to cut into using players for finals of an NRL competition and, and NRL clubs go, well, boo sucks to be the New South Wales Cup, especially if you're the Newtown Jets. They don't care, and that's I think that's the big thing, what do we do at the Cup going forward? And that's another podcast in itself. <laughs> Again, Br- uh, Braden Trindle, great season by him. He's a fantastic player to watch. Kurt Dillon uh, did some great things as prop forward. Billy Magulius, he's just a star. I love Billy Magulius. He is a great lock, and it's a shame he doesn't have a full-time NRL gig because he does deserve it. But uh, this um, Eero, how good is Eero? Like, he is a fantastic player to watch. He, he will be one of the stars of the future of this centre. Yeah, well, we obviously had the opportunity to see Kyra. I think it's Kia Iro end up end, end up winning the winning the New South Wales Cup mm. Player of the Year at the Brad Phillip Medal, which I was disappointed I didn't see you at there, Nick. But uh, okay, can I explain this? Oh, right? here we go. I didn't realise that I, I didn't actually RSVP, but I said. To Mr. Honey said, okay, I'll probably see you there. So he's just put my name down, but I was working that day. So I forgot all about that and didn't realize. So I should have just turned up saying I was you. Well, you look like me. So there you go. You just have to have a compliment. I don't know. Gut and glasses. There you go. And yes, I (laughs) I would have had a shave. So there you go. I would have had a shave. But when it comes to, when it going back to Newtown, the one person I must admit I felt really sorry for on that prelim final day was Greg Madison because obviously he's in the box next to us. 
when I had a chat to him after the game, he was absolutely shattered after that. Like we know how passionate he is for for the Jets set up and all of that. And he literally was in tears when I was speaking to him. What was his final off, game? Off off air because he knew that the season was done, but the amount of time that he's given to that club over many a year to then only find out a couple of days before the NRL grant, the NRL grant final day that he had submitted his resignation from the head coaching role there at the Newtown Jets. So who takes the role on from there? We don't know as yet, but we obviously know Greg Madison is one of the most respected coaches going around at cup level and even can get himself a gig when it comes to NRL level. But in the end, Newtown just didn't have the right the right gear on that day. Who knows? They could have they could have and probably should have played Penrith in the grand final, but in the end things didn't work out their way. They didn't. The Bulldogs went through and Bulldogs almost snaffled the win apart from a late field goal and a late try in the end to secure it for Penrith. Well, we'll have a, before we sign off here, we'll have a quick look through the the other competitions. First, Nick, the the Jersey flag. Uh, it was the Roosters that finished minor premiers there with on thirty six points with sixteen wins from their twenty two games. Knights finished second on thirty four. The Panthers, your eventual premiers, finishing on thirty. Your Dragons as well on thirty, and the West Tigers on thirty. So a very close end to the top. Five there with the Sharks just missing out on 29 points. But uh, this grand final, it was one for the ages. We we called the women's grand final here on Triple H um, back in sort of June, July. We never thought we'd, we'd uh, t- see a game that would top that going into triple overtime golden point. But we got the second one in the season with this jersey flag with the Panthers taking out 29, uh, sorry, 19 points to 18 mm in uh, Golden Point after already having the 10 minutes each way. I said, it's exciting to see some of these youngsters come through, but again, you, you can't sing the praises of Penrith anymore, can you? Well, the other thing is too, and you guys saw it on the day, how Penrith just decided to turn up with 10 minutes to go. Effectively, that's what they did, and they did it very well. Uh, look, in regards to the beaten brigade, simple fact, the Roosters wet the bed when it came to final season. And, and, if people say I'm harsh, well, fine then, I'm harsh. But look at what happened in the clash against Newcastle where they, they probably should have beat Newcastle, didn't, and, and you know, they didn't turn up early. They did the same thing against the Panthers. They came home with a wet sail, but it was too late. Think of it this way. I think it was the first four and a half minutes of that uh, prelim final against the Panthers. They touched the ball twice. <laughs> One when they got knocked out of play, and one when they lost the ball back into the Panthers' favour. Like it, it, it just shows that they weren't finals re- ready. Simple as that. But good regular season by them. Yeah, all you got to say is yeah, for for Penrith and New and all those sides, say Penrith were just the good the good side on the way. They just knew how to pull their fingers out at just the right time in each of the rounds of the finals to just do enough to get across the line. And all I can say is, and Lisa, this way we'll always be on the podcast, I called the golden point before the game started when we called it live on Triple H. 
You did. And that's the, that's the only thing I think I got right this year when it comes to <laughs> comes Probably. to tips. But to call Golden Point ninety odd minutes before it happened, I'm very happy. But congratulations, Penrith. They were the better side in that comp this year. It was certainly a, it was certainly one for the ages. Dom Rizzuto, I thought his voice was going to be lost in that extra time, and I was going to have to take over the call. I was absolutely um, <laughs> now you myself it. at that point, but he made it through the uh, the champion, and it said that, that that finish to that game was was something else. Um, quick look at the at the Ron Massey Cup, Shane. Um, the Hills District Bulls. I said we did get to call one of their games uh, during the year. The um, the Grammo Cup, um, we saw how good they were. Uh, they they finished six points ahead, four, three wins ahead of St. Mary's in that competition. They did end up going down to a, a very impressive Maitland Pickers side in the President's Cup, but they did show that they were head and shoulders above any other team in this Ron Massey Cup this year. Yeah, in the President's Cup, yeah, Maitland were just too strong on the day, but to grind out an 18-12 win against a very strong and very defiant Glebe Dirty Reds, as they're now known, or, or for the times that we've had the opportunity to call them. But, yeah, in the end, the Hills obviously been able to get that funnel back down from North Sydney, having players like Jerry Key and Tyler Castle be able to come back down to play in that final series once North were knocked out. Brought that bit, bit of extra experience, so... To the Hills, congratulations on winning the title there. And we know they're just going to get stronger next year when they get all the players coming through that setup again, through the Shield side up to Massey. And who knows, you might get the occasional funnel back down from North Sydney. Just quickly, can I pull you up on something, Shane? Please do. It's the favourite part of my my being on here. You said that... uh... When the Bears season was over, that they could go back to Ron Massey Cup. Can you just get your calendar right for a second? Oh, I'm going to say I'm going to calendar sitting in front of me. So no, 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 no. The grand no. final, the grand final for the for um for um Massey. Oh was yeah, sorry. The sorry. <laughs> there you go. Okay, you worked it, it out. <laughs> okay, it's late at night. Don't. It's only nine o'clock. We're in overtime. Sorry, Andrew Russell, but mm. it is we are having a good time here. And we've still got to talk about the Sydney Shield, Nick. I'll throw it back to you for this one. Mm. I said St. Mary's, they finished second in the um in the Ron Massey, but they absolutely dominated the Sydney oh. Shield. They'll they'll rep that this is part of their affiliation with uh the Penrith Panthers, and you can almost <laughs> Quaddy, this is another premiership for them. They finished, <laughs> as I said, it was the reverse of the the Massey. It was St. Mary's winning by having three, four wins actually over Hills mm. Bulls in second place. But uh, St. Mary's got the job done in an all Penrith final, 36 points to 12 over Penrith Brothers on grand final day. Uh, absolute domination there from a 17 Sydney Shield. So mm. as I said, these, these lower competitions, no Asquith anymore, no, no Belrose where we sort of got our chops calling on the sideline of Lionel Watts Reserve. But uh, as I said, it is still hanging in there, this competition. Yeah, look, I don't know what they're going to do with the Shield. To be brutally honest, what a poor season. I say poor season in regards to we had really three strong teams. Then we had Roosters and Brothers, yet Brothers made the grand (laughs) final. 
Beating the Roosters in the They won five games all year in the regular season and made the grand final. Come on. I I called that game against the Roosters, and I I thought after that, I'm like, is that probably the worst finals game we've ever seen? (laughs) Like, the the game was interesting, but in a quality control, you're like, it wasn't only the best finals game I've ever witnessed in a tight affair. But so it, was, it was like one of the, the best, worst games I've ever called, or the worst, best, <laughs> if that makes sense. And I walked away going, surely the brothers can't make the grand final. <laughs> they made the grand final. And, I, and, and, and during the week, because I was calling the game for the New South Wales Rugby League, I'm thinking, how do I polish this absolute, you know, what what could be? Because I was expecting 70 nil. I was expecting, you know, me to, to you know, Tell stories about when brothers got smashed 86 points to four and shield and back in 2018 and talk about that because oh, I reckon we're going to go close to a record at some point. But you know what? They, they they did a very good job in the finals, brothers, and they should be commended. And hopefully going forward, they can get a good partnership, you know, with Blacktown and, and work on what they do going forward and how the brothers do achieve Going that next step, St. Mary's are a cut above the rest. And I guess it begs the question of what they do next year, the New South Wales Rugby League, in regards to Shield and, and how they schedule the Shield. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest this, Shane, right? And and I suppose we are going to mix the President's Cup into this because the President's Cup saw Maitland win once again. I I was thinking about this the last couple of days and thinking, is Maitland potentially showing that they could really mix it with the best Ron Massey Cup teams and potentially could be a Ron Massey Cup side? I know they won't move away from the real NRL, and the real NRL, is it's important for them to keep Maitland there. But is it a discussion now that the President's Cup should change a little bit where we either blow up the shield, right, and I know that, it could be blasphemy saying that. But if we blow up the shield and say to the, the teams that are in the shield that don't have a Ron Massey Cup side, you go, well, here's an option. You go to Ron Massey Cup and develop your skills or you, you don't go in these competitions and you go and play combined and you play A grade in your local districts and then make the President's Cup. And I know it would be blasphemy again for the real NRL, for instance, but Tell the real NRL, tell all the group competitions or whatever they're called nowadays, and they're not called groups anymore, but tell them that you need to shorten your season so we can have a, a longer President's Cup back end, like have like a, a Champions of Champions, or even extend their season where they almost go to, say, first or second week of October to have a proper finals day because I, I feel the Shield competition has served its purpose and it's done and in COVID brought an end to it really. And that going forward, maybe it's time to make the President's Cup almost the, the tier below the Ron Massey, but make it a big like champions or champions affair that includes the Ron Massey or, or maybe even make it above the Ron Massey in regards to sort of like that NRL state championship. You know what I'm trying to get at in regards yeah. to that? Maybe just to, to make that the big competition and Shield sadly just goes by the wayside. Well, blowing up Sydney Shield, yes, but I would actually make the – you'd almost make the Sydney Shield your open-age competition. 
So instead of having your your Sydney gold, your Sydney silver, and that whatever your top flight is for that Sydney combined competition, rename that the Sydney Shield. Put the if the if the clubs want to stay playing something higher than that, okay, you push up into the Ron Massey where you could then, if you really wanted to, you could tie it in to the real NRL. So all your country, all your Newcastle based teams as well. But you can sit there and play them and then play your own teams and then you get to finals, you split, and then obviously best of the best, whatever. But Sydney Shield has Sydney Shield has done its time. Obviously, when when you know that Belrose who like to show themselves to be better than A grade, they walk away from said, so, nah, we just can't handle all the backroom politics anymore. We'll go back and end up losing the Sydney Gold A-grade grand final this year in an all-manly competition. That just tells you that there's something wrong there. And if it's only St Mary's and Hills that are doing well, I'd look at pulling the pin on it and just say, okay, you're on Massey's side. You can have a 30-player squad or 40-player squad or you go back to your you get back to your your local area that you come from. So for St Mary's, the Penrith competition, if you're one of the other teams, you go back to wherever your local association is. But yeah, I think Sydney Shields run its course and maybe even combine the Massey and make the President's Cup a the proper like a full competition. So you're not just playing the same time, same sides every seven or eight weeks. You play them once home, once away, then have a proper final series and do it that way. I just feel that it's not going to work, that idea. I, I I agree with you. I really would like to see that happening, but I, I would see, say, for instance, a real, real NRL kicking up a stink that Maitland go by the wayside and go to this President's Cup full-season competition or, say, for instance, Forbes decide to go away from the Central Districts competition or Central West, and then you see teams like, say, if we add, say, a MacArthur team. So, say, for instance, East Campbelltown decide now they're bigger than MacArthur or for some of the game, they go back there. I, 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 I would like to see it, but I just think that it would ruin those competitions. So, we've got to tread carefully, and I think a Champions of Champions is probably the better way of looking at it. But, look... Again, we could see what would work because imagine saying the Illawarra comp, we take collegians. Now, the Illawarra comp is already devastated now as opposed to what it was 20 years ago. Mm. Yeah, because I remember uh, seeing it. You had had plenty of teams going around. It was like 14, 15, 16 teams and I think Illawarra or Group 7, if I remember correctly, as it was known down there, it's got, I think, eight. Down yeah. there at the moment, which mm-hmm. is disappointing, but well, I've had conversations with people, and I've said, "Why doesn't the Illawarra comp just merge with Group Seven? And people go, "Oh, you can't do that! You can't do that!" So, imagine if we we, we decided to take one of the Illawarra clubs out of that competition, you you, you get absolutely less sued. Like people will just be giving it to you, going, "You can't do that." On a well, side you, note, I'd love to go. I'd love yeah. to go do a Depto Canaries game. Yeah. Imagine going to the showground and calling a footy game there at the dog track. 
Well, if you're gonna if you're gonna look at say in combining the Illawarra comp with Group Seven, you make it the Greater Illawarra comp. So you've got yeah. them; they're still playing, but you're not opposing competitions. That's one combined competition, so that might that's get what you. I'm saying. That that's might get I'm you saying. 18 teams. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I reckon they should do that, but they don't want to do that because it would affect, as I said, it affects what could be a great competition elsewhere in their minds, even though it's the right options, even even to a point where it's time to look at how the MacArthur structure is going forward or the old group six. But anyway, mm. okay, that's, again, another conversation for another time. That's another podcast in its yeah. own Well, yeah. talk to Anthony Caruso. He's looking for podcast ideas at the moment. Oh, I'm sure he I, will I, uh, come back to you. <laughs> you'll hear me again later on the year too. I've been told. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'll say it. I don't care. Uh, you can cut it out if you want. Um <laughs> Oh, I'm in a podcast at the end of the year reviewing the year or something. Oh, you're in the you're, oh, you're the, in the golden H's, whatever it is. The golden the H's or the wood ceremony. ducks, one yes. of those. Yes, that you're one. In, you're in the good or the bad one. We the wood said, duck this one. is how good we are. We've got two. We've got the good and the bad coming yeah. up at the end of the year. But well, um, well, they need an abuser, so that's why they've got me because I abuse everybody. So that's what they want. They want somebody to just yell things from the sidelines. Well, they said we love banter. We love your banter, and uh, we've gone massively over time for this edition of Splinters. But hey, what are they going to do? Fly me. Um, <laughs> But no, it's been great to have you both here, Shane. I'm sure we'll see you on Splinters sooner rather than later. We, we might even get you on that episode with Nick uh, at the end of the year, and we can give we can get some more of that uh, niggle between you two. Yeah, mate, sounds good. I'm I'm sure December will get you quick enough so we can get stuck <laughs> into each other again. It certainly will, Nick. Mate, it's always a pleasure having you here on Triple H. Um, I said it, it doesn't happen enough. I'm glad to hear that you'll be back on Splinters later in the year, but um, I'm sure we'll get to uh, do some more stuff together uh, down the track. And for those who always thought that Missy and I hate each other, can you just listen to the last hour on a bit? And it just shows that we actually like each other. We yeah. actually have no bad blood. It's Shane Evans who causes the bad blood. Yeah, 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 yeah. Finally, the truth is coming out. Exactly. The truth is coming out, and it needed to. Yes. It needed to. We let all that. We let all the dirty laundry out, and it's all good. It's just, hey, it's the same with me and Keith, Keith Topolsky. Even though he did used to talk too much ice hockey on the bench, oh, and that come did really, that. It did really irk me. But as said, I grew to I grew to love him. And then he moved to Port Lincoln. So what are you going to do? He loved me and then leave me. But, oh, uh, just love your just like your love life. Um, <laughs> What love life, but we, we digress. We do yes. finish this episode of The Bench. We do The Bench thanks to our great station sponsors, Atlas Chart Accountants, The Post, ISC Sport, Business Plaza and Hornsby RSL. For Nick Kutnyak and for Shane Evans, I am the wise man, Matt Mears. Thank you very much. We'll be back with Splinters next week with another huge episode. We'll catch you down the road. Thank you for joining us for Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. You can also find us streaming on the web at www.triplehf and available for download at podcasts.com and all good podcast and streaming sites.